the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese. Good morning and welcome to Get Rich Flow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Flow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, Please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. Brother, it is cold outside. 18 degrees at my place this morning, and but hey, the sun shining brightly is a welcome sight. The sun during the day makes all the difference in my mood. Cloudy and cold is 10 times worse than sunny and cold. I can handle the cold, but give me some sun. Maybe if it warms up today, we can get outside for a long walk or for a bike ride. Until then, we can... Sit in the sun indoors, but indoors, make sure it's indoors, and enjoy a hot cup of coffee. There's a certain luxury with enjoying the warmth of being inside with a cup of coffee and looking out at that cold outside. Uh, Then later today, we can take a look at what's happening in the economy and happening to our investments. This week, equity markets were mostly positive. Buoyed up by the inauguration of President Joe Biden on Wednesday and the next administration's resolve to start off the new presidency with a 100-day plan, a price tag for the first installment of this plan would be $1.9 trillion. Uh, uh, The the list, the shopping list, uh, looks like $1,400 checks to individuals. Uh, The going price for that is $465 billion. 
Uh, next is the aid to state and local governments. Uh, the price tag on that is $350 billion. And then we have the uh, extension and addition to the federal uh, um, unemployment benefits uh, that will extend it past March 15th to the $900 billion stimulus bill that was passed at the end of December uh, gets the unemployment uh, part of the uh, the federal unemployment part uh, up until March 15th. And then we're talking about an extension from March 15th to September 30th. And that's worth $350 billion. And then we're talking about uh, speeding up the vaccination uh, the, the vaccination, getting the uh, uh, vaccine into people's arms, and also hiring more people for testing and uh, tracing, and maybe even more for vaccine production. That's worth $160 billion. And then uh, we have to provide aid to schools to help them uh, open in March, and that's worth $170 billion. Um the, uh, then we have the extension for uh, rent relief program. I don't have a, a number for that. Then we have the increased uh, child care credit. And uh, I don't have, the, do I have a number for that at my fingertips? Yeah, $120 billion for that. So um, investors uh, welcome the news of another Fiscal stimulus package. It's always fiscal stimulus package is always a, a good uh, money maker for Wall Street. And basically, the market shot up on Wednesday. That was inauguration day, but then settled down on Friday after it became obvious that perhaps more negotiations would be necessary to move the huge bill uh, through the uh, Senate, which is evenly split between the uh, the uh, Republicans and the Democrats. Now, one of the things that uh, they're talking about is uh, uh, this issue with regard to the Senate. Uh, the Senate requires uh, 60 votes uh, in most legislation to avoid a filibuster, and uh, but there are there is an exception to that, and that's the annual budget reconciliation bill, which can you get. Uh, that can be passed at uh, 51 votes, and uh, that requires that all matters contained therein have non-incidental impact on the budget and that the bill does not increase the deficit beyond the 10-year window. Now, they, they play around with that 10-year window to get the bills passed. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how you'll see how this uh, $1.9 billion or basically... $1,900 billion uh, gets through the uh, Senate. Uh, there's talk that uh, certain parts of it uh, will be readily agreed to. Other parts, uh, there's going to be a lot of discussion and maybe even this uh, uh, reconciliation uh, uh, maneuver to get it passed. But uh, we'll see what happens there. And uh, also further complicating the picture this week was the we're in the middle of the fourth uh, quarter earnings results, and uh, uh, so we're seeing the fourth quarter earnings, which are are great, but uh, uh, nobody expected them to be great. And plus the forward guidance for the future quarters. Now, 
in addition to what's going on in the United States, there's an additional drag uh, in the European Union and uh, the European economy, European the Eurozone economy, has suffered a, a weak start to the year with uh, how, with high coronavirus infection rates and government restrictions that are increasing the risk of a uh, second slowdown uh, since the pandemic first struck last year. Uh, fresh uh, COVID-19 outbreaks uh, that authorities have struggled to contain are continuing to weigh on economic activity and have damped expectations for a strong global recovery in the first half. This is according to the Wall Street. Although the start of the vaccination campaigns has raised hopes for a stronger rebound in the second. So in the early months of the year, the number of large economies uh, faced the threat of declining output as things like uh, restaurants and theaters and sports events that involve close uh, uh, physical proximity. They're, they're basically closed or severely curtailed. Uh, the data firm IHS Market Corporation said that its composite purchasing managers index, which measures activity in the manufacturing and service sectors for the Eurozone, fell to 47.5 in January from 49.1 in December. So a reading around 50 is neutral, and if you're above 50, you're expanding, and if you're below 50, uh, you're contracting. So you're seeing that uh, January is worse than December as far as his activity in the uh, Eurozone. And uh, uh, then you have the, uh, aside from the political promises and the $1.9 trillion uh, stimulus package, it, we still have the coronavirus pandemic, which is remains the biggest medical, social, and economic problem that is facing the United States and the world. It's been with us for a long time. It's been with us since February. And after things have been there for a while, you tend to uh, discount it. But uh, uh, this, there's no discounting this uh, epidemic or this pandemic that we're in. The virus continues to spread, uh, disrupting the nation and the economy. The effects of the virus are being compounded by new strains from Great Britain and South Africa, uh, which seem to be more contagious than the original virus. They appear to be more contagious, but not uh, more deadly. Uh, more contagious in that uh, it seems to be able to spread regardless of lockdowns imposed in Europe. And these lockdowns were effective in controlling the original virus, but uh, are proving less effective with regard to these new strains. In the United States, we're currently battling the virus with approximately 200,000 new cases per day and approximately 4,000 deaths per day. Everyone is waiting for the trajectory of the uh, new cases and deaths to start to go down because, uh, well, we have to we have to have some effect of these new vaccines and also the uh, the longer we get away from the holiday season, uh, the the uh, New Year's was the last of the holiday season. The longer, farther we get away from that, uh, the lower the number of cases should be. And according to the John Hopkins University data uh, base, uh, 40 million doses 
of the two vaccines have been distributed and uh, since December 14th. And uh, uh, 19 million doses have been injected. Uh, now, with uh, 19 million injections so far, uh, the pace of injections has picked up uh, to an average of uh, 982,800 doses a day. That's an average over the past week. So, according to Dr. Fauci, uh, herd immunity is expected to occur when approximately 80% of the population has been vaccinated and is immune. So, that's what we're, that's what the government is aiming for and we're aiming for. Uh, that amounts to basically a, a, a complete vaccination of 256 million citizens. You know, there's probably uh, 320 million uh, U.S. citizens and uh, 80% of that comes down to 256 million. In November, when the news of the two last, November last year, when the news of the two vaccines, one from Pfizer, uh, BioNTech, and the other from Moderna, uh, first appeared, uh, people talked about returning to normalcy in the middle of this summer. Uh, if we still hope to have the goal of normalcy by midsummer, then 256 million people have to be injected twice, uh, let's say, by the end of July. Uh, that's 27 weeks or 189 days away. That would require basically, uh, well, 256 times two, that's 512 million injections. And since we've injected 19 million uh, injections have occurred so far, that means 493 million more injections in 189 days. That amounts to 2.61 million injections per day. And the obvious question is, can the present process be ramped up? Uh, right now, it's close to 1 million a day. Can it be ramped up to 2.6 million injections per day? Uh, we'll see. Uh, also, a second thing is, uh, can vaccine uh, production keep up with uh, 2.61 million doses per day? That's basically 78 million doses per month. Now, it's at the present process of using local uh, departments of health together with local pharmacies and drugstores, uh, if they can uh, inject close to 1 million a day, then they can probably expand to 2.61 million injections per day. I don't know whether the vaccine producers can produce and distribute uh, uh, the 2.6 million per day or 78 million doses each month for the next seven months. Uh, I do know that Moderna, uh, from what I've seen, they've been contracted for 100 million doses by the end of March and another 100 million doses by the end of June. Uh, for the Pfizer uh, BioNTech, um, the, the, uh, the news indicates that they're under contract for 200 million doses by the end of this July. So, uh, but <clears throat> there is hope. Uh, there's another vaccine coming, uh, coming to our coming to our vaccination center soon, 
that comes from Johnson and Johnson, and that's recently they've recently completed their phase three trials, uh, but they haven't predicted their uh, effectivity, or it hasn't been and it hasn't been approved for emergency use by the uh, Center for Disease Control. In any case, uh, President Biden's promise of 100 million injections of the vaccine in 100 days looks reasonably doable. I mean, we're almost up to a million per day right now. And uh, But if you take a look, that pace isn't fast enough to get 80% of the population fully immunized with two injections by the middle of the summer. Uh, that's more like, hey, if we got uh, 492 million injections in uh, and 492 days, well, that will be another 16 months from now before we get uh, 80% of the population completely immunized with two shots. Uh, that's a year and a quarter away. So, uh there's a problem there that uh, requires a lot of attention, and I think it's getting attention. Hopefully, um, uh, there are solutions that can pick up the pace of the uh, production as well as the vaccination process. Uh, in addition to a, a quiet virtual inauguration with uh, 25,000 National Guardsmen visible to keep it quiet, this week, there was good and bad news regarding the economy. First, new home construction, uh, which has been on fire since May of last year, uh, showed that uh, shows three things. One, if I look at single-family home uh, construction in December and compare it to November, what I'm seeing is for permits, permits were up close to 8%. Starts were up 12% from November to December. Completions were up 10.2%. Now, if I look at it in another way and say, okay, I want to compare uh, December December numbers uh, with December a year earlier, December of 2020 and December of 2019, then permits were up 30.4%. And starts were up 22.8%, and completions were up 9%. So, really, uh, the, the final uh, final numbers are, if we look at the whole total, how many homes did we build, and what was our process in 2020 versus the previous year. And according to the, the report from the... Uh, Department of uh, Housing and Urban Development, uh, single-family uh, permits were up 13.3%, starts were up 117 and completions were up over 1.3%. I don't know about that 1.3%. There's a, there's a margin of error in there, so I think it's higher than that. So basically what you're seeing is that the uh, home construction really slowed down in March and April due to the COVID and the whole economy slowing down. But it's ramped up and basically filled in that hole in uh, March and April production and is now way above uh, what we did in uh, 2019. So 
with the COVID pandemic, more people are working from home. Uh, they need more room. They've got kids that are being in, in schooled at home. Uh, people want to get away from the density of the civil, you know, the city living and move more into the suburbia. And basically, the mortgage rates are, are super low, according to the uh, latest numbers from the Mortgage Bankers Association. The average contract uh, uh, interest rate on a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage with conformal loan balance that's limited to somewhere around $510,000 increased to 2.92 last week. So what you're seeing is that uh, uh, the interest rates have just gone up a little bit. Now, the Federal Reserve is basically keeping those interest rates low because it is it has been for the last several months, I know, less maybe seven or eight months, uh, they've been buying uh, uh, $40 billion worth of mortgage-backed securities from Fannie and Freddie uh, to keep those rates low, and it's been effective. Uh, they also have been buying $80 billion a month in treasuries uh, to uh, help augment the uh, the uh, deficit problems. So what we're seeing is new home construction going like crazy, uh, getting down to the details of what's going on. It looks as if they're going to be limited uh, mainly by uh, their own operational constraints in home construction. According to the latest from the National Association of Home Builders, uh, their report showed that the home builder confidence uh, was down on uh, because of rising material prices and the upsurge in the uh, COVID-19 cases. So what they're seeing there in the, uh, the, the they, they put out a survey in conjunction with Wells Fargo, and uh, they call it the uh, National Association of Home Builders slash Wells Fargo Marketing uh, Index. And what they're seeing is rising material costs led by a huge surge in lumber prices, along with a resurgence of the COVID across much of the nation, uh, pushed the builder confidence in the market for newly built single-family homes down three points to 83. Uh, Last month, it was 86. And despite the drop, builder sentiment remains at a very strong level. That 86, I think, was a, a record uh, never hit that high before. Uh, housing affordability is, uh, is also faces rising challenges given the home price gains and the lack of inventory. Builders are grappling with uh, supply side constraints related to lumber. Can you get it? What are you going to pay for? Uh, other material costs, costs are up. Deliveries are stretched out, uh, lack of affordability of affordable lots, and labor shortages that uh, delay delivery times and put upward uh, pressure on the home prices. So home building is moving as basically as fast as it can, and uh, the demand is there, but the operational constraints and costs are limiting their uh, growth. And we'll talk about the details of that uh, uh, basically later in the show. So 
you know, with new home construction and sales going strong, existing home sales have been strong for December. And, uh, uh, you know, comparing 2020 to 2019, sales of previously owned houses rose in 2020 to the highest level since 2006 uh, because of ultra-low interest rates and remote work from the, during the pandemic increased home buying demand. Now, according to the National Association of Realtors, uh, existing home sales rose 7 tenths of 1% in December from November, and the December sales uh, were 22% above December a year earlier. Existing home sales totaled uh, 5.64 million in 2020, and that was 5.6% higher than in the total for 2019. And again, uh, that was that has been 2000. That 5.64. That's the highest level since uh, uh, the 2006 pace of 6.48. Uh, that's according to the National Association of, uh, of Realtors. Now the housing market was posed uh, for a strong year in 2020 as interest rates fell and the large. A millennial generation continued to age into their uh, prime home buying years. Mortgage rates have continued to decline since then. So, uh, housing basically stands, you know, you know, it's a solid, uh, basically industry in terms of either construction or sales. Uh, the big thing that's driving the sales is that uh, people want to get away, and it's, uh, in both cases, in new home construction as well as existing homes, you're running into a case where prices are going up, and we'll talk about that later in the show as exact details. The prices are going up. Uh, basically, the, the uh, supply isn't there. Uh, new home construction is being limited. Uh, not by any government, but by just by, hey, we haven't got the lots, we haven't got the workers, the, the prices are going up, the, the deliveries are slow. Um, the existing homes, uh, people don't want uh, uh, people tramping through their house uh, for inspections, and they don't, uh, uh, you know, people are living in uh, their house for longer. Uh, there's studies that show that, uh, I forget what the numbers were, but uh, People aren't moving as readily as they did 10 years ago. So, uh, you know, when we talk about all the, the things that are happening uh, in the economy this week, you know, we're, what we're seeing is a, a brand-new presidency uh, with grand plans of, uh, of uh, spending money on... Uh, uh, a lot of programs that uh, the Senate is going to uh, take a look at and say, are these really COVID-related uh, programs, or are they just uh, on somebody's wish list? So what you're seeing now is going to be uh, serious negotiations between the president and the, uh, and the uh, Senate in terms of... Uh, 
what gets passed and what doesn't and how it gets passed. And uh, there's going to be a lot of political maneuvering. But if you take a look at uh, uh, the actual things that are going on in, in the economy, uh, home sales and home construction are at the uh, best, basically as fast as they can go. Uh, you're also going to see, I'm going to talk about the manufacturing, and that's going to uh, be in good light, too. That's going as fast as possible. Uh, basically, what you're seeing is there's two parts to this economy. One part is uh, the part that is exposed to the COVID, and that's been beaten right down to the ground and with regard to restaurants and theaters and and. Uh, uh, sports events, and the other part is uh, uh, the part that uh, manufacturing and warehousing and, and, uh, and business and things of this nature, retail sales, uh, they seem to be in, not totally immune, but it went down, but it's come back in a, in a V-shaped recovery. So that part of the economy is going strong, while the other part is flat on its back and uh, won't be trying to stand up until the summertime if indeed we get the uh, the vaccines out and get them into people's arms and get people immune. So uh, all this really it, it's it's a good picture to take a look at your financial plan and say, okay, uh, if you're working at home, if you're about buying houses, if you're, you've got a lot of, you may have a lot of decisions uh, on your plate in terms of thinking things through, but this is what, uh, this is what we should be doing all the time in terms of developing our financial plan, filling it out, saying what our goals are, uh, are we moving, do we need to move, uh, do we need a bigger house, uh, do we need another job, do we need new training, uh, where are we going to put our money? All these things have to be thought out. And one of the things you can do is talk to a financial planner about uh, uh, how to do these things. Uh, the, the, the value there is that they've done it with a billion times uh, before you. So none of your problems and none of your the, the circumstances in your particular case is going to surprise these people. So uh, they've got the experience, and they've done it before. So uh, seek out some help. This is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Now stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets, 
With the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. Uh, you know, we were talking before uh, we went on the break there that uh, so you should be in, in uh, your financial plan, should be identifying your goals, uh, uh, making sure that you have an emergency fund. And this uh, uh, pandemic has certainly been a, uh, a case in point where you do need uh, uh, several months worth of living expenses just in case uh, something happens and you're out of work. Uh, the uh, government in this particular case has thrown all sorts of money around, but um, typically it doesn't happen that way. If you're out of work, that's that's just uh, you get your state unemployment benefits. You don't get uh, uh, an extra $600 a week pay from the uh, government for the unemployment benefits. So make sure that you got your uh, emergency fund and about six months worth of the living expenses. Some people require more than that, depending upon uh, the security of your job. Uh, if you're working for the government organization, you might be able to do with less because of the security of that particular job. But if you're a salesperson on commission, uh, you might need 12 months worth of living expenses just to make sure you're comfortable. Then you take a look at uh, uh, what are your goals. Well, certainly in everybody's goal is basically to, to uh, retire at some point. Uh, let's say it's uh, 65 or 68 or even 70. Uh, even in retiring at 70, you still need enough uh, money to augment your Social Security uh, payment, or perhaps if you have a pension too, uh, for the next 30 years. As a 65 year old person, has a, uh, a life expectancy of approximately 85. So if you go out and retire at 65, uh, there's a average life expectancy of more 20 more years. Well, uh, uh, Social Security brings in a certain amount. Your pension, if you have one, brings in a certain amount. And the uh, money that you saved up in your IRAs and 401ks and things of this nature are expected to add um, maybe 4%, maybe a little bit more increasing with inflation. So uh, that means that uh, that number, that amount that you've saved, has to be a reasonably high number. That plus you've got uh, uh, the paycheck comes in the door, or two paychecks come in the door, and you have to allocate that to your standard of living, to how, how much does it cost to run this household, you have to allocate it to uh, things like education of the children, things like uh, special circumstances in terms of uh, health issues and problems like that. Uh, there's all sorts of places where you uh, have to allocate uh, that money, and having allocated it, 
uh, each week or each two weeks or each month, then you have to make sure that uh, it's invested and uh, growing properly. If it's not, then you either have to increase if the investments are growing the way you expect them, then you have to put more money in the pot or reduce your expectations or um, uh, pick a different investment vehicle. Let's go to the uh, let's go to the phones now. Hello, John. This is Jim McAleese. How are you today? Good morning, John. John here. Hello. How are you? Oh, I'm hey. in the mood to say something. The earth is moving, and I'm a big uh-huh. picture guy. At my age, as I get older, I feel more optimistic. And count the blessings you are not in the Stone Age. We might, if we do things, anything is disruptive. We are not in the Stone Age. And we can even have an economy moving faster than after World War II. I'm not trying to be optimistic until I die, but I'm going to try. This is what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Last week they announced you can have electric car uh, uh, added instead of pumping the oil or pumping the gas. You can have in five minutes. Okay. And the well, cell phones are there. Jobs are going to be there. However, well, if you create the infrastructure, that's one thing alone, along with the corona, that we have to vaccine thing. This will con- this country will take off. I don't care whether you have a PhD or muscle. It doesn't matter. This country will take off. I don't care mm-hmm. what the pundits say. I, the country is not falling. I, I'm a big picture I totally guy. I agree with you. Really That's all I'm going to say because... Give a chance. I, I don't care who's in the White House or in the Senate or the House. I think I capitalism you. works I and freedom works, and hope is the best forward word that I know of. I'm 85. I, Thank you for giving me a chance to say this. It's not going to be, you know, a Pollyanna no, or whatever fancy phrase in English language. Hey, it's foreign you're, language. You're telling we me have to do something, me. cooperate, everybody. Don't stand in the way you're of telling me our own progress. My clients tell me that they're all ready to uh, get going and doing things afterwards, after the uh, environment, uh, after this coronavirus uh, issue is closed. In other words, everybody is, well, everybody went through the uh, uh, the holidays. And the biggest uh, concern about the holidays was, uh, hey, we've always gotten together and uh, we've always uh, been a family on Christmas and Thanksgiving. And what are we going to do? This Christmas and Thanksgiving, and and it was strange, you know. My clients are telling me that uh, uh, some people, uh, uh, the, the, everybody felt comfortable, you know, their children felt comfortable about uh, having them, the grandparents over. Um, other people uh, didn't feel comfortable doing that, and it was strictly a case of uh, of uh, FaceTime or a long telephone call. Um, there was a lot of uh, a lot of times this holiday season when uh, people really uh, felt the pressure of the uh, COVID, and but they adapted. And uh, part of the part of adapting was hey promises for the future. In other words, just like uh, I didn't visit my uh, uh, my children. Uh, one lives in Leesburg, Virginia. One lives in Denver. I didn't visit them and the, the grandchildren because of the uh, COVID situation. And uh, uh, 
But there was a resolution at the end of the, of the FaceTime calls that we're going to get together when this is all over and, uh, you know, get the family together and, and enjoy the family again and hug the grandchildren and, and uh, really get back into life. And, I, and this is what John was saying, that people are uh, expecting uh, to really uh, do things, to get going and do things when this COVID is uh, over. And that's why I emphasize the need to, the government need to get this thing moving as fast as possible, both with regard to the vaccination and, and the production of the vaccine. So I expect that, uh, uh, what I'm expecting to see is that maybe in March and April, uh, we'll start to get the feeling that we're conquering the COVID. Right now, the COVID's on top, uh, but we've got the vaccines and we're hopefully uh, We'll catch up and get ahead of this thing. Uh, I think that'll happen in probably March and April. At that particular point in time, people will look forward to uh, the the summer and getting started again. And uh, uh, they have all sorts of plans and all sorts of uh, money. Uh, typically, the people that have continued working haven't spent their money on uh, uh, trips. Uh, they haven't spent their money on restaurants. Uh, they've been putting the money into the bank, and uh, there is a, a treasure chest of money ready to break free when this uh, COVID is over. So I expect to see this uh, this economy really boom, whether we have this $1.9 trillion uh uh, uh, stimulus or not, because we basically have already we've got something like four trillion dollars of stimulus in this uh, economy uh, uh, for the part of the for, for the part of the economy that was involved in restaurants and things of this nature. It's been a real uh, tragedy, and they're going to uh, looking forward to getting themselves started again in. Uh, uh, the summer when uh, the uh, COVID situation is under control, hopefully. So, uh, John, I, I hear what you're saying, and I think there's a lot of people feeling the, the same way. We'll get moving when they when they blow the all all clear signal. Uh, everybody is going to rush out and get rolling. Uh, this is Jim McAlee. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. You can give us a call. We have this toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. Let's talk about... Uh, uh, we talked about uh, home construction, home sales. Let's talk about industrial production. Uh, last week, the Federal Reserve reported that the U.S. industrial production increased solidly in December, and it provided a source of strength for the U.S. economy as consumer spending and employment uh, gains uh, slowed down for November and December. In their industrial production and capacity utilization report, they reported that industrial production, a measure of uh, 
they they classify it as uh, factory production, mining production, and utility output. That increased uh, 1.6% in December. And uh, production was boosted by the utilities, and that was up. uh, uh, Utility output increased 6.2% from the previous month. Manufacturing was up 9 cents of a percent uh, from the previous month. And uh, if you take a look at manufacturing in particular, manufacturing went into a uh, a deep dip in uh, March and April, but then it's recovered. So now we're about 2.5% below where we were in February. So we're basically almost back to where we were before. In mining, uh, with that increase in oil prices, that went up 1.6%. That includes oil exploration, too. And then, in addition, you know, to the the Federal Reserve report, uh, the Federal Reserve of Philadelphia also puts out a a manufacturing business uh, outlook survey, and that's for basically the the eastern seaboard, manufacturing uh, in the uh, eastern seaboard region. And... uh, uh, that's continued to grow, and basically, we'll talk about that later in the show in terms of new orders, shipments, uh, everything is up. Uh, that was a big jump in uh, January. So uh, what we're seeing is uh, uh, some good, re- very, very good results. And uh, let's talk about let's talk about the uh, uh, unemployment claims. Uh, the unemployment claims, again, with this COVID situation, are kind of startling. Uh, it, it, you know, it was going down, you know, when in basically in March and April, the numbers were uh, something like either seven or million, seven or eight million a week were claiming unemployment. But then it's gone down to a low of around. 700, but now it's up to 900. And uh, like the week for uh, uh, what week was this? January 9th through the 16th, uh, there was 900 applications for uh, unemployment benefits, new applications. And uh, that's that's a testimony to um, the uh, situation with regards to the COVID. if you remember, I reported a couple of weeks ago that um, approximately 500,000 jobs were lost in December in the leisure and hospitality industry. That's hotels and travel and and uh, restaurants and theater and all the rest of this stuff. So uh, um, these numbers are abnormally high. In other words, what we, for that particular week, of January 9th through the 16th, uh, new new unemployment claims came in at 900,000, and that was basically down 26,000 from the previous week. So basically, it's moving in the right direction. But uh, to me, it's uh, certainly not moving fast enough. And and uh, if you take a look at the number of people that are on uh, continuing unemployment. These are the people that have been on there for months at a time. 
Uh, that number stands at uh, 5,054,000. Uh, and uh, basically, that number is 127,000 less than the previous uh, week. And uh, uh, that number of uh, 5 million, typically in a, in a uh, uh, before the COVID, uh, that number that we're on employment from month to month was about a one and a half million. So it's way above where it, basically where it should be. Uh, because in the COVID hit, uh, 20 million people lost their jobs. And so far, uh, since February, approximately 10 million have uh, gone back to work, and but there's still 10 million people uh, left. And uh, this 5 million is only part of the number of people that are, uh, on, are unemployed because this 5 million represents those people that are on the state uh, roles for regular employment, but there's another group that are on the uh, uh, gig uh, economy uh, that have been working part time, and those are kept track of in a different uh, a different category. The whole number of people, though, is somewhere around 10 million. Uh, in Ohio, on the state roles, we have uh, 247,470 that are. Uh, on uh, the state unemployment rolls. Now, let's talk about uh, existing home sales. I promised to talk about that. Uh, existing home sales rose in December with uh, home sales in 2020 reaching their highest level since 2006. And activity mm-hmm. in the major, major regions was mixed on a month-over-month basis, but the major regions they're talking about there's the uh, the National Association of Realtors talks about the Northeast, the South, the Midwest, and the uh, West. And what they're seeing there is that the total existing home sales, including single-family uh, homes, townhouses, condos, and co-ops, increased seven tenths of a percent from uh, uh, November to a seasonably adjusted rate of 6.76 million in December. And sales in total rose uh, over year to year, 22.2% from a year ago. Lawrence Young, who was their chief economist, uh, he indicated, quote, uh, home sales rose in December and and for 2020 as a whole, we saw sales perform at their highest level uh, since 2006, despite the pandemic, uh, he continued. What's even better is this momentum is likely to carry into the new year with more buyers expected to enter the market. Uh, Young predicted a continuation of the strong activity that's currently taking place in the housing market and in the overall economy. He continued uh, to address, although mortgage rates are projected to increase. Uh, they will continue to hover near record lows at around 3%. Moreover, expect economic conditions to improve with additional stimulus forthcoming and vaccine distribution already underway. Uh, If you take a look at what the demand is doing to home prices, uh, the median existing home price for all housing uh, types in December 
was $309,800. And that was up, get a load of this, that was up 12.9% from December a year ago. A year ago, the, the median house price was 274500 and now we're up to 309000 So, it, <laughs> excuse me, it, uh, you know, we've, we've seen, you know, in, in basically what's happening is uh, the, the number of uh, existing homes for sale is decreasing. Total home inventory at the end of December totaled 1.07 million units, and that was down 16% from November and down 23% from a year ago. Unsold inventory sits at an all-time low of 1.9 months supply at the current sales price, I say current sales pace. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome to the Get Your Slow. This is Jim McAleese again. I had a clear my throat there. Too many crackers this morning. And the uh, basically basically what you're seeing is that uh, the inventory of homes for sale is down to 1.9 month supply. Uh, The homes are moving. And by moving, I mean uh, uh, 70% of the homes that were put on the market in December were in the market for less than a month before they were sold. And uh, we see uh, the continuing need for new home construction. What he's looking at is that uh, there isn't that much supply in the existing home uh, inventory, and the, the only way that you're going to get some more housing is to build it. And uh, but like I said before, they're uh, getting close to being maxed out in their uh, ability to produce uh, new houses. New houses. So uh, we're, we're in that particular category. We're, they're working as fast as humanly possible. So uh, I mentioned before about uh, uh, manufacturing and manufacturing and. Uh, uh, they look at the uh, uh, the Philadelphia Manufacturing Survey. In 39.5% of the manufacturing managers in January said that uh, they're doing better than they did the month before. Uh, 45% said that orders have increased. 43% said that shipments have increased. Uh, uh, their inventory has gone up. 32% of their inventory has gone up. So uh, what you're seeing is there's a lot of uh, good information with regard to uh, manufacturing. Manufacturing is in, in, in the number of employees. 32% said that the number of employees has increased in January from December and the work week. 30% said that their work week had gone up from uh, uh, December to January. So 
what you're seeing is manufacturing is picking up speed. So this this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Flow. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back. This is Jim McAleese. The new year has arrived, and most of us are beyond grateful to leave the old one behind. But this new year brings with it hopes for a new beginning. Today presents an opportunity to discard a destructive old habit for healthy new habits. Now, just for today, I will live through this day only. I will not brood about yesterday or obsess about tomorrow. I will not set far-reaching goals or try to overcome all my problems at once. I know that I can do something for 24 hours that would overwhelm me if I tried to keep it up for a lifetime. But just for today, I'll decide to be happy. I will not dwell on thoughts that depress me. If my mind is filled with clouds, I'll chase them away and fill them with sunshine. Just for today, I'll accept what is. I will face reality. I will correct those things that I can correct and accept those that I cannot. Just for today, I will improve my mind. I will read something that requires effort, thought, and concentration. I will not be a mental loafer. Just for today, I'll make a conscious effort to be agreeable. I'll be kind and courteous to those who cross my path, and I will not speak ill of others. I will improve my appearance. Speak softly and not interrupt when somebody else is talking. Just for today, I'll refrain from improving anybody but myself. Just for the day, I'll do something positive to improve my health. If I'm a smoker, I'll quit. And I'll get off the couch and take a brisk walk, even if it's around the block. Just for today, I'll gather the courage to do what is right and take responsibility for all my actions. So... Let's learn to live one day at a time, but really concentrate on today. Until we meet again next week, forget more, get this slow. May God protect you and keep you safe. You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc.